Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to Red Voices, our stupid, stupid podcast about our stupid Manchester United football club. We won a stupid, stupid game of football against Manchester City today. You and Rich on duty tonight to discuss as much as we physically can about today's magnificently mad Manchester derby and answer as many of your questions as possible too. Rich, feelings please. Hello, how you doing? Happy days. <laughs> I've not come down from that yet. No. I cannot wrap my head around that match, Rich. Several hours later, I, football just doesn't make any sense to me now. Not that it did much before, but after that match in particular, I, I can't explain that game at all. I guess that's why we love it, isn't it? We've we've had some bonkers games at the Etihad in the last few years. You know, I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about it earlier. You know, we, we seem to play, or we seem to have got far better results there than we have at home in the last decade so or perhaps that's just the way it feels in my mind because we've had quite a few really notable wins and then we lost you know we won two in the essentially injury time and Rashford ended Di Michaelis's career and but this one was another it, it seems that if we win there it's always in really hilariously fun style isn't it, it yes you know you think back to as you said the I mean, Di Michaelis Van Persie you know that game in the FA Cup Skulls, last minute header. Yeah. Gosh, we've had some good times there, but today was probably my favourite just for the pure drama of it all. You know, you know, we, when we were talking about this game last week, we were kind of, we were scared, weren't we? Let's be quite frank about it. We were essentially yeah. resigned to a defeat. And I do think that Liverpool's game changed the context somewhat. Maybe that would have emboldened Mourinho to a certain extent. But I don't really think it shifted the landscape of what this game was going to be enough to suggest that United were absolutely going to produce this sort of performance and come away with the win. I just didn't see it coming. You know, you know, think back to the beginning of the game. I thought we actually started quite well. You know, we were relatively steady. We limited City. Ashley Young was really having a tough time on the left flank and it definitely slipped over and handled the ball. Not deliberately, but there was definitely contact between the ball and his hand. The, the, the twain met, put it that way. They did, they did meet, yes. They did, yeah, but it, it just it. We were starting to look a little bit more useful. There was still a big element of us just chuffing up long balls towards Lukaku and seeing yeah. what would happen. And frequently he missed them, not because he's bad in the air, just because that's all we were doing and we weren't giving the ball to feet enough. But we didn't look ruffled until that corner. And that corner, do you know what? I mean, I'm not a clairvoyant, but I could. I just had the yips about that corner. It was the yeah. same end that Company scored in 2012. I was just thinking. Oh, I can just see this coming again. This is the first time they've actually had a chance to whip in a decent cross. Company is their biggest threat in the air, and lo and behold, god damn it. Yeah, it was frustrating. There'll be a lot of people that would criticise making this point after we scored the winner, but it kind of summed up Chris Smalling to me. Apart from apart from the slightly dodgy passing that he always demonstrates. But you look at that battle, it was him against company, and, and basically the guy who got there first was the strongest, the most, the one, the one who wanted it most. I think that's, that's perhaps, for me, apart from his passing, I think is the thing that just lets Chris Smalling down at the highest level. I don't, mm-hmm. I just, I don't think he's got that edge of desire to his game. And, and that kind of summed, summed it up for me, you know, company just really wanted that, really, really wanted that. And it, it was a terrific header. It's disappointing to have got done from a from a set piece when we were expecting to to really cut apart on the ground. Um, and you think with a with a team of giants that should have been our, our strongest our strongest area. But you know he he really really wanted that ball more than Smalling did, and it, you know it was a really really good header. And you know what can he, he do? 
Oh, well, not concede a goal like that, but still, I mean, the, uh, yes. I guess the frustrating thing about that was essentially we completely collapsed after that. You know, I mm. can't wait to talk about all the great stuff that we did. And I'm not going to lie, stopping City from winning the title at the he had, considering how much they clearly wanted it by the time it came to that game and how you know the atmosphere at the Etihad had in general and how up for it City were in that first half in particular, taking that away from them, if just for the next couple of weeks... That was so sweet, I'm not going to lie. But good yeah. grief, just thinking back to that first half, you know, I got tingles of awful. You know, we just collapsed completely, didn't we? Yeah. You know, fair play. City were wonderful in the build-up and the execution of that second goal. The first goal came from initially Valencia not clearing his lines and doing a poor clearance straight out into touch for a corner. And Smalling didn't get on company. It was a pretty bad goal to concede. De Gea then kicks the ball out fairly poorly and we just never recovered from it. You know, it was a wonderful turn by Gundogan to get past Matic and just pass it into the bottom corner. I don't think Dave really had a chance with that one. But it was notable just how much we dropped off when that first goal went in and how much our confidence seemed dented. And... You know, City can feel aggrieved about these penalty decisions all they like. And I'm not going to lie, Ashley Young could easily have been <laughs> sent off in that second half for what looked like a pretty rash and bad challenge on Sergio Aguero after we'd uh, got back to parity. But having said that, City missed an absolute buttload of chances in that second half. You know, Raheem, Raheem Sterling, Sterling chief culprit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Raheem Sterling missed a buttload of chances in that second half, put it that way. Bless him. I mean, he's had a great season, but he just, yeah. every time he bore down on goal, he just didn't seem to be able to hit the target. You know, he hit, what, three over the bar in the end, was it? Yeah, it was, From yeah. very good positions. Yeah, he was clean through on each, on each occasion and just gobbed them into orbit, didn't he? <clears throat> Smalling and Bayer were all over the place in that in that period. Mm. We could have gone in four or five four or five down and not been able to really complain about it. I, I made the point at half-time and I was, I was pretty pissed off at half time is that particularly away from home United's first halves have generally been certainly since Christmas pretty rank I mean if you think think back to Palace we were pretty even I thought the best our best away performance this year was the 1st of January against Everton and really that was a a very kind of tedious first half and then we really exploded in the second half and thoroughly deserved to win that game and we've seen to, there just seems to have been a lack of intensity in our first halves away from home for quite a long time, and I, that just seemed to follow the pattern. I, I felt the difference really was to say the Crystal Palace game or any of those games really was that they had the quality just to cut us apart, and and they did. And and at half time it was looking pretty bleak. But then football, football happened. Oh gosh, it did, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, what did Mourinho say in that half time break? to pull that performance out of the bag. Gosh, I think it was Smalling who was saying at full time when talking to Sky Sports, Mourinho didn't really have to say much. He just said basically, you know, just go for it. Essentially, that seemed to be the general point. And not much changed tactically. You know, I, I was, part of me was thinking because Pogba has struggled so much in that first half, we were getting overrun. The midfield was so, was just looking sluggish after that first goal. As you said there, Bailly and Smalling were just all over the shop. They were not anywhere near picking up their men you know Sterling was allowed so much time and space to get through on goal on several occasions and it just looked like we'd just fallen apart and it was it it could have been four or five in that first half it was appalling stuff and the the champagne was essentially on ice by that point and you're just thinking well what do we do here the second half was absolutely remarkable for United if purely because we've now seen United perform to a level against the the best side in the country, essentially, 
and beat them essentially at their own game. We pressurise them, we use the ball well, we pass so much better, and we press. We actually goddamn pressured them, Rich. It was so great to see. And I guess the, the thing is, arguably, a lot of those goals, they weren't very well crafted, but they were pretty simple, straightforward, in the sense that we actually took the game to City for the first time in several years, I'd say. This is the first time that we played City of these five games where I've actually felt like United really stepped up their game, up the ante, and really drove the point home. And at 2-0 down at half-time, you're just thinking, well, let's just try and get the ball back, and you're assuming City try and get us on the break. That Pogba goal, that first one, wonderfully worked, and that really dragged us back into the occasion, didn't it? Yeah, and I think I think this is where um, the Liverpool game on Wednesday night becomes relevant because first of all I think City tired in the second half even with the changes they made but but also I think they panicked after that goal went in which I don't necessarily think they would have done had they not had that spanking in midweek and you could see when they were coming off today that or even though they're going to still going to win the league that their, their jaws are on the floor so why do points at play here but we, we clearly came out in the second half with a far more offensive um, attitude I was quickly reading Mourinho's quotes beforehand and he, he, he made, made the point that he thought that, that Pogba, Matic and Herrera were playing really well in the first half, which I laughed at. But he also made the... the yeah, I don't agree with he, that. <laughs> he also made the correct point that his two wide players in Lingard and, and Sanchez just weren't getting into the game at all. They weren't getting on the ball. They weren't driving into the right areas. They just weren't having any impact on the on the game at all. Well, they were chasing the ball down very they well. Were, they, they, yeah, they were. They were chasing, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you, I mean, you could see the difference, particularly in Sanchez's second half. I mean, he, as much as anyone, was responsible for that turnaround. Really, that he, that he he started taking responsibility, started getting on the ball, and actually looking to make a difference. It's it's interesting because we've now seen, and this may count against City next season. That quite quite clearly. I don't think City would have been as successful as they are this season if more teams hadn't played dead every week. You know, they can, they can clearly be got at, and Klopp's demonstrated that twice. And now United have in a second half where we've had to just go onto the front foot and attack them. And they're clearly vulnerable at the back, which isn't a great revelation because people have been saying that for a while, but nobody's actually tested it out. Or nobody with any quality has actually tested it out. You know, so they'll, they'll quite justifiably win the title this season, but, but, but I do think I do think teams will smell blood, and clearly after that first goal, United smelled blood, and and they really really went for the jugular, and it was it's something we haven't seen for such a long time. I haven't seen this United, Mourinho's United, really take a grip of that of a really important, tough, important game like that, and sort of take control of their own destiny in them. I think that's the most impressive thing we've played. We've beaten City, we've beaten Liverpool, we've beaten Chelsea, and we've beaten Arsenal this season. In all those games, we've kind of stodged it out. We've won through through stodge and nicking a goal and and defending and whatever else. This was the first game that I felt we really looked at a game and thought we need to really take a grip of this game and make it ours. That's I think that's probably apart from the significance of the result and the way we won it is the most positive thing we can take from that second half. Sure, I mean I think looking at where our minds were at half time in that game. We were all very, very critical and we all had good reason to. You know, there was a lot of talk about effort. There was a lot of talk about energy, about the players not caring, lots of arguments. And it was, <laughs> Twitter was not a fun place to be at halftime, put it that way. And that was mirrored because of how poor United were in that first 45 minutes. You know, there wasn't really anything positive to take from it at all. 
And what you wanted to see from United was something approaching that. Never run wildest dreams that I think we could actually pull that performance out because so frequently in these circumstances, when we've gone behind, that is mostly all she wrote. Yes, we have the Palace game in the last couple of weeks as an example of what United can do if given the ball, if allowed to press, if they really put their minds to it. But today, what I'm hoping is because at that, the end of that first half, I was thinking the worst and, you know, the season not necessarily was slipping away from us, but it was just another indication that we weren't where we wanted to be. This season hadn't necessarily panned out the way we would have wanted. And then you start to, starting to think, well, how close can we get City going forward? What are we going to do? You know, it's two years into this project now and we're still struggling in these big games. And the way that the narrative has completely flipped in that space of 45 minutes, I'm really hoping that's going to be a turning point for Mourinho and several of these bigger players at United in terms of what we can expect going forward. Because I don't see Mourinho going this season. No, no. I don't think he's going this summer at all. I no. don't think any of us really want that at this stage anyway. I think we just want to see some more improvement. That could be a gigantic leap forward for United for belief, for their understanding of themselves, for Mourinho's trust in them in terms of what he can get from them in these big games. And it could be gigantic. I really hope it is because we've seen so many occasions where United have buckled or we've struggled or we've stodged our way through. And today actually felt like something of a statement. Now, obviously, we've got to take a lot into consideration in the sense that, as you mentioned there, City weren't really at it for a good chunk of that second half. As you said, you know, the Champions League exertions could have tied them out. But, you know, they missed several chances. But we kept going. And, you know, you, look, you think about a lot of these players who have been so hugely criticised lately, Rich. You know, Pogba's been in the headlines for what could be some sort of Mino Raiola, Manchester City mind game when... <laughs> and Demarcio. Demarcio again, absolutely slayed for breaking embargo a couple of nights ago. That was interesting. I, I, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I, I find it quite quite hard to have a lot of sympathy with some of the print journalists who were super cross about it. I mean, far, apart from the point that he's in a different country, so I'm not really sure if the same same rules apply. I understand why the the print guys were were cross because there's a reason why these things are embargoed. But some of them write utter shit quite a lot as well. You know, that the people buy and believe. So the interesting that what Guardiola said about Pogba and you know we we're all just guessing. And my 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 pet theory is that Raiola did offer Mkhitaryan and Pogba to to City. But Rowling knows that it would be over Edward Ward's dead body to sell Paul Pogba to, to City. But by chucking his name in there, it just sends the message to United that, because it will get, it would have got back to United. It sends the message to them that this isn't okay. What's happening at the moment? And I'm, if, if you don't put this right, if you don't get him back in the team and if he doesn't start playing and if whatever the team doesn't start doing what they need to or whatever, then I will get him away from you. So I think it was a, and again, I don't even know whether Pogba would be aware that that was going to happen. Even if he was, you know, he probably just said, you know, to get the shits up and it might get him back in the team again. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure it was the, the huge, the huge thing that it was made out to be. You know, you get, you get into bed with, with Mino Raiola, you know, he's going to, he's going to do backhanded things, isn't he? If, if, if well, a, look, you get into bed with Mino Raiola, you're going to get dirty sheets at some point, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't necessarily mean that Pogba wants to leave and I don't believe he does. I think he was just doing the dirty for his 
player to, to improve his situation at United. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't know, I found myself quite disconnected from the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it, it felt like a bit of a distraction from for the fact, from Guardiola's perspective. I don't know why he was bringing it up then. Perhaps to distract from the fact that City are 3-0 down in the Champions League in a competition that they perennially underachieved in, coming into a home leg. And... I wouldn't be surprised if Guardiola is rattled and it took the pressure away from his players, is it the focus away from them and essentially got people talking about what's going to happen to Paul Pogba. Yeah. That's my reading of the situation. Uh, unfortunately, it backfired quite badly. Um, yeah. You know, speaking of the build-up to that first goal in particular as well, great work by Sanchez, another player who's been roundly criticised you know, by all parties for the last couple of months of his United career, the first couple of months of his United career anyway. Thought he was excellent today. Thought second half in particular, he along with Pogba helped really run that game for United. You know, He was finding a lot of space partially because City were content to sit back. And the funniest thing was, it didn't seem like City actually expected us to be able to come back like that, which was it was hilarious. Yeah. Not, not that we actually expected it anyway but no I thought Sanchez was fantastic you know he was working really hard but he was combining that work rate with better passing picking out better teammates and making better decisions we all know he's had that in his he's got that in his locker we all know his quality but we haven't seen a lot of that we've just seen a lot of running around in these first couple of months and that's been that's been appreciated but you do need to marry that up with moments of quality and that's what he was doing today you know it was a great cross to Herrera for the first goal and just watching company when Herrera chests it towards Pogba, it said that touch was a thing of beauty. Fellini would have been proud of that. Yeah. Absolutely marvellous work. And just watching Pogba as well in the build-up to that goal in slow motion, he angles towards the ball, stops, steadies himself, and then shoots it past Edison when he's running out towards him. It was a really, really well-taken goal. And then two minutes later, two all, Rich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to say that I could perfectly describe that goal to you, but at that point I was rolling around on the floor. So, but I mean, it was another guy. I had my rolling on the floor laughing moment later. If you watch it back, it was an an absolutely brilliant ball from Sanchez to to pick out that run perfectly. It's a run from Pogba that he doesn't make enough. And I just wonder whether he made those runs in the second half because, because Mourinho took the reins off of it due to the fact that we had nothing to lose. Absolutely Mm. nothing to lose. And that header was, it was a far, trickier header than it than it first appeared you know the ball wasn't in the perfect position you had to get his neck round it and really angle it right into the corner absolutely yeah it looked a really difficult header it was i mean the, the first two goals were two really really high quality goals you know we can't we can't turn around and say we scruffed them we there were two fantastic goals i mean you go back to herrera's chest if you watch that back for herrera to see that run out of his corner of his right eye of pogba coming into the area basically chest it down between two moving players you know, if he chested it half a second before, it would have just been cut out. It was absolutely perfect. Essentially, Pogba could hardly miss once it once it, once it was his feet. Those were two really, really special goals, and I, I feel it just kind of showed it kind of showed what those players can do if they're really allowed to to play, to really go at teams. And I I, just, I wonder if there's a wider message for Mourinho there that that his team is does have the attacking talent to do enough that you know current defensive weaknesses don't mean we lose games i mean you might he can't you can't not look at liverpool on wednesday night you know they've got an absolutely sensational front three but most of the players behind that front three are very ordinary workman like players you know that obviously 
well above average, but they're not. They're not top class players. You could argue perhaps Van Dijk is, and I don't know really after that. They're not special players, but the way Liverpool play so often negates those defensive issues because they simply score so many goals and because they're so dangerous going forward. Yeah, like today was the first example that I can think of where <laughs> we've gone a couple of goals down and the point hasn't been, all right, well, let's try and see if we can slowly work our way back into this game. The approach seemed to be, go for it. Absolutely attack them. Yeah. Worry them, rattle them, pressurise them. And it absolutely worked, yeah. you know, it, but it, it happens so rarely that United actually are allowed off the reins. And it wasn't even completely so either, if you think about it, because we spent large chunks of that second half. Just once we got back to 2-2, we did start to sit back a little bit. I could see you getting worried about that, but we still maintained the focus. We cut out the defensive errors for the most part and we looked good. We might need to be a little bit, you know, indebted to Martin Atkinson for that Ashley Young tackle because I looked at it again. Maybe it's just the angles that I've seen it from. It looked a stonewall penalty. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. We, we got a little bit lucky there. And, you know, you're just thinking back to how United managed that second half and Alexis Sanchez. Thinking back to the delivery in the first half was absolute pish, as with so many yeah. other things. The set-piece delivery and the crossing in the second half was superb. You know, the way that Sanchez stood that up for Smalling... Chris Smalling's such a divisive figure in the sense that we've seen him just consistently make so many mistakes. He made some mistakes in the Crystal Palace game and he came back and got the equalising goal in that game. And one thing you can say about him so far this season is that at least when he makes mistakes, he's not hiding and he's not cowering. That finish today was brilliant. Any centre-forward in the world would have been happy with that. It was a great cross by Sanchez, admittedly. But the way that he's peeled off there and finished that off was absolutely excellent. And whilst I'm still not convinced that he should be a starting Manchester United centre-back going forward, you absolutely cannot take that moment away from him. He fully deserved that. He stood up and was counted after a really difficult first half, put himself about and did a good job for the most part. Yeah, I, this is the thing with Chris Smalling is that, you know, he does score relatively more goals than, than any of his centre-back competitors or compatriots or whatever. You know, he is a capable defender. He's a, he's a decent defender. I think the, the problem just comes, he's just prevented from really reaching a, a kind of top level because of that. Just, I think, just think that, that bit of aggression and desire and also the wider point. And I think almost the more important point is that he, he's just so bad at football that, it, it really limits our the way we we attack from the back. But you know, as you say, you can't fault his goal. He's scored other important goals. Does that change my opinion of, of him as a defender? No, but well done to him. It, you know, it was. I a, like him a little bit more now. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, when we look back, when we're even older men, and we, and we think <laughs> about we think about key moments. You know, ultimately, you think about goals like that, don't you? You think about wins like that and moments like that, and we'll always remember that he did that. I'm not sure whether it, it should save his United career, but brilliant. Good job. I mean, as you say, and you, you're absolutely right. You know, it was his, he was essentially at fault for, for company's first goal. Well, I'm going to interject quickly as well. We'll come back to the save, but both he and Bai left Aguero and he is shorter considerably by both of them for a free header towards the end of that game. Yeah. Bai wasn't great either. I mean, he's been really good, I think, since his return, but he, he was, very shaky. They were both very shaky at points. Yeah, but that save was—I mean, seriously—we're getting used to it, aren't we? We look, we look at a save like we look at a save like that, and we think, "Yeah, Dave." But then, if you watch it, yeah. if you watch it back, the re- honest, the speed of the reflex to get 
his hand up to that and to get the power on it to, to put it over the bar. And he's doing it every week. You know, that he had incredible save against Swansea last week. Two. One or two incredible saves against Swansea last week and then that severe save. Is yeah, is it is is that better than severe one, do you reckon? It's so difficult just trying to decide between his ridiculous back catalogue of insane saves. There's one at Southampton mm. when we won three two I think it's the game that Martial scored those two goals but in his first it was about his third game for United. And it was three two towards the end and I think it was Charlie Austin had a header and it, it was an absolutely ridiculous save. You just can't comprehend how he gets his hand there as quickly as he as he does. He just does it every week. But if you watch that 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 save today back again, if you watch it back actually, and you look at Aguero's face as the camera panned in on De Gea, and you can see Aguero's face, and he's turned towards the camera, and he's holding his head, and he's got a look on his face that basically says, "How the living f- did he just do that?" <laughs> Oh, completely warranted, though. I mean, half the stadium was thinking the same thing. Well, yeah. Wonderful scenes of City fans thinking that had already gone in. Yeah, it was amazing. And uh, but that was obviously, the pleasure we derived from that was obviously obviously highlighted and praised by Raheem Sterling accidentally sort of shinning the ball onto the post about 30 seconds later to, to complete the, uh, the amusement factor. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't think there can really be any question about it. I think De Gea is United's best keeper in terms of outright ability. I don't think we can really be debating that anymore. He's just doing this every week. It's absolutely remarkable. You know, saving us in the 88th minute that Aguero save came. It's just ridiculous. He's a superhuman, stupid human being, and I absolutely love him to bits. The reactions, as you said there, for that save are out of this world. I don't see a single keeper in the world who can do, who can goalkeep anywhere near as well as Dave at the minute. Mm. It's just remarkable. It's absolutely unprecedented. And again, that save. You said there, I mean, the thing is, in those sort of circumstances, because we're now getting so used to it, you almost expect him to do it. But even when he does it, it's still stunning and it's still surprising. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm giving away my age here, but I'm old enough to have seen and really appreciated Peter Schmeichel's career from, you know, from when he joined United to, to when he left. And I can honestly say I never thought I'd see a goalkeeper at United that I thought was better than him. I, I've always considered Schmeichel to have been the best goalkeeper that ever, certainly the best goalkeeper of my lifetime or goalkeeper that I've been watched myself. You know, Van der Sar was a world-class goalkeeper, but I just felt that Schmeichel had something special about him that just made him better slightly. Angrier and cult status, somewhat ruined by moving to City, but still. Well, yeah, go. absolutely, but but as a, purely as a goalkeeper. But I look at De Gea now, and I, I'm slowly coming to the conclusion that De Gea, as he is now, I think he's absolutely peaked. I think he's a better goalkeeper than Peter Schmeichel was. I mean, Schmeichel, Schmeichel made some staggering saves in huge games, and he made them, you know, every every other week. But he also had a reasonable collection of of clangers. You know, in that treble season, he dropped one through his legs at Sheffield Wednesday. He essentially dropped one into the net in the last seconds against, or dropped one onto the head of the attacker or Sheringham, I forget, in the last seconds of a Champions League game at Bayern Munich, uh, which which finished two two. You know, De Gea makes the odd blip, but it's so rare. I mean, to 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 go through games, and I, I know he had far more work to do today, but the majority of games, United, he's not being battered on. And to concentrate and make the saves he does when that's the case, you know, really set him out as, as, as a, an all-round goalkeeper. I mean, there's been arguments about his distribution, but ultimately, the goalie's supposed to keep the ball out of the net. 
and, and I don't see anybody and I can't recall anybody, honestly, that in my lifetime that I think has done it better than he is doing it now. No, no, I I completely agree. <sighs> Just the reactions, but going back to the third goal now, because that was essentially all she wrote. That was the, I mean, the, the Sterling translate on as well. Gosh, that had me having kittens as well. Yeah. But the feeling of elation after that third goal went in, I mean, I, I almost don't want to put it into context because ultimately what we've done there is stop City. We've delayed City's title charge for uh, next weekend. But the way that we did it, the way that United went about their business in that second half, in a com- is completely surprising and almost unprecedented style, at least in you know the last sort of four years or so in the post-Ferguson wilderness. The way that we went about our business after going 2-0 down gives me a lot of hope going forward that maybe we can make something special happen with this current group of players and this manager. And I didn't necessarily feel that prior to the game because in these sort of situations, you're just thinking, what United is going to turn up today? Is it going to be the one that will battle through like it did against Liverpool? The one that will eke out a win against Chelsea? Or is it going to be the one that went to Wembley a little while ago and got overwhelmed in the first 10 seconds? So the fact that we actually got arguably one of the best 45 minutes ever out of United in such a big game in terms of you know the local context and it being a derby against a team that we really don't like very much that felt really big today yeah. ultimately how much it will mean will be dependent on how many more weeks it takes for City to lift the Premier League title you know maybe we'll be able to get that gap down to 10 points next weekend because City are going off to Spurs and I reckon Spurs will be very keen on seeing what they can do against this side after the way the last two games have gone and especially considering that City are going to be playing in midweek you really fancy Spurs to get something out of that game so maybe we can chip away at that lead a little bit more but they'll still be winning it anyway but regardless to go to the Etihad and get that result felt like a really really big moment for Mourinho's United and you know it's not something that we've said too often but I feel really proud of the team today for the way they buckled up and they sorted themselves out and they returned into that game in that match with something to prove and they really did themselves proud today I reckon. Essentially this feels like a moment that there were moments with under Van Gaal where it appeared to click for United and you it, it felt like if Van Gaal had, if it dropped the, the penny had dropped for Van Gaal and things could have turned out very differently and it almost feels like that sort of moment for Mourinho where I hope he can he kind of look at that second half and think you know what we can do a lot of damage if I let us do a lot of damage. He's got this instinct in him, or we certainly saw it against Sevilla to a very annoying extent, but he kind of falls back on the defensive side of things as an actual instinct. Or he certainly has in his time at United anyway. It'd be really good if you could look at that second half and you think, think, you know what, these forwards I've got are really terrific players, some of them. Let's not forget, Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford, I mean, Rashford played for about, what, the last 10, 15 minutes. Martial didn't even get on the pitch. Yeah. And Matter yeah. didn't play either. We've got a really good creative side if we put our mind to it, if Mourinho sets it out right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's extremely annoying when people people say on social media that he, he doesn't have the players to do this or to do that. He has. He's got, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that all of our attacking players are, are, are world class. I think for all of their wonderful attributes, I don't think Lingard and Matter are quite, are quite world class footballers. They're very good footballers, but they're not the absolute top end. But he's got guys like Sanchez and like Pogba, and I think I think Lukaku is growing into a really high level forward. Although he had a particularly poor game today, but for the last couple of months he's been absolutely brilliant. He's 
been United's best player by a long way. United have got lots and lots of really high quality attacking options that, that we just haven't quite been making the most of. And, and I just love, I'd really love, apart from the, in isolation, the result today, for that to be Mourinho's light bulb moment. He looks at that and you think, because basically that, that, that result's essentially, I would have said, likely assured us second place given that Liverpool are likely going to have the Champions League still going on and we've got some pretty soft fixtures between now and the end of the season. We've got Arsenal at home, which you'd say might be tricky, but we've got we've got West Brom, we've got Bournemouth, um, we've got Brighton, we've we've not got a difficult set of fixtures now, so we should be finishing second. And there's an opportunity there for him just to try things without too much pressure, certainly in two or three weeks at least, if we're still in this a strong position. And just let them play and just see what happens. Because it doesn't make any difference at that point. And just see if just see how we play if we just take the take the brakes off a bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean I think let's hope that it is a light bulb moment. I mean it's something that we feel that when we've spoken about this a lot. You know, United's best strength is its attack and its creativity, and that's been blunted a lot this season. And the evidence was there today against the best side in the country and one that is winning the Premier League at an absolute canter. If we are allowed to, if this team is allowed to be creative and to attack, it can cause damage. Mourinho's got the players. He hasn't trusted them properly all along this season consistently to do that. So let's hope that, you know, we can lay down a bit of a marker between now and the end of the season that leads us into next year in terms of what this team is capable of. You know, I reckon we're still potentially a couple of players short from getting up to City's level on a consistent basis. But having said that, the core components are still there to make a really great side here. And if Mourinho can get the confidence and the trust in these players to go out and do that on a more consistent basis, we could be on something really good. The worry has been that he hasn't had that trust and he's been a bit too negative for his own good and definitely for this team's own good for the most for consistent parts of these last two years. Today, hopefully, as we said before, is going to be a turning point. So touch wood, Let's see how the next couple of weeks and months play out. And maybe we've got something to shout about between the end of the season. That'd be absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the Pogba interview after uh, w- where they talk, talk through the goals. Yeah, the yeah he was talking to Henri, was... wasn't he? And Pogba was saying it's actually more imp- he could actually go and do that second goal, the header, because he knows Magic is behind him when he's playing in a midfield three. Yeah, exactly. And Pogba hasn't been playing well in the last six weeks, I'd say. I mean, you know, nobody can deny that. And I think sometimes... A kind of defence of him as uh, over overall is not compatible with with the fact that he's been, not been playing well. But but the, the same points arise that you buy this guy for ninety million pounds, whose best attributes when he's playing well are essentially creative and attacking attributes. And and at Juve, you look at Juve. He played in a in a, in a midfield where he had Pirlo and Vidal or whoever sitting sitting deep deeper behind him so that he knew that when he pushed forward he didn't have that defensive responsibility to, to, to cover any breaks that might result if the ball's lost we saw against Swansea that he was sitting deep in the two and he's spraying passes around and he's a very good passer but he can't do the things which uh, he doesn't have the opportunity in that system to do the things that he can do when he's playing well when he's on his game and I think we saw today and again that's another that's another conundrum for Mourinho but You've got these guys in Sanchez and Pogba, particularly who you've, you're paying a lot of money for uh, to, to play, and you've paid a lot of money for Pogba. These are your star players. You've got to be thinking: How do I put a team together that gets the best out of these star players? 
it was just interesting to hear Pogba say, to actually specifically say that and say, look, when I'm playing a two, I'm not allowed to go forward. I cannot go forward because we mm. get caught. There's another wider debate. And again, I'm going off base and I'll, I'll perhaps ask you the question, but, but there's been a lot of talk about particularly Pogba in terms of his desire and, and his focus and does he want to be at United? Does he, is he trying in games? And my personal opinion is you, you saw second half. We've said that about a lot of players this season. It just seems like it's not a case of trying. They're just not playing very well or they're playing well. I, I don't know how you, how you feel about, about that. But I, I don't, I know, I don't look at Pogba and think he's not trying. I look at Pogba and think that he's in the last few months that he's just in a really bad period of form. His confidence is bad. And I think because he's very tall and leggy, he looks like he's running very slowly at times. I think that kind of makes it worse. I don't, I don't know what you think. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's 45 minutes that will definitely shape the answer to that question. You know, After that first half, he was struggling. He was hanging onto the ball a little bit too much and trying stuff and trying to walk it out from defence and just not involving his teammates enough in play, arguably, in that first half, really, wasn't he? Yeah. After that, he was using the ball so much better he came out with a new spring in his step and he looked absolutely driven to turn that game around and it showed you know he was wonderful in that second half he was so great to watch I think a lot of Pogba's form and a lot of the issues that we're seeing around Pogba has got to do with the fact that Mourinho spent 89 million pounds on him and still doesn't know which team to put around him in which sort of second circumstances we don't know what the best lineup is to get the best out of Pogba yet. It's constantly chopping and changing, and sometimes we still don't know tactically what the best fit is for which game. You know, sometimes we've seen that four-two-three-one work really well early on in this season, for instance, when we were just dominating teams and scoring goals for fun. And then you think back to the Southampton game when he played in a two, and it was turgid. And then we think of four-three-three. We've seen times where that's you know a way at Sevilla didn't work away at Everton it was perfect we played some brilliant football in that game yeah until Mourinho really figures that out I think we're going to see a little bit more of this from Pogba in the sense that we're not going to get true consistency out of him and I'm not quite sure how long that will last before one of them breaks or one of them leaves (laughs) good grief because Pogba can't be happy with the fact that Mourinho has hung him out to dry on a couple of occasions you know the Spurs game has been mentioned quite a lot in the sense that you know you said it Pogba got absolutely rinsed for his form and his uh, performance at Wembley when several of the players around him, in particular Matic, was just as culpable. So, and he was in the first half today, wasn't he? Matic was terrible in that first half today. Awful. And yet everyone, yep. or, or many people were talking about Pogba at half-time. You know, Pogba doesn't want it. Pogba's not even trying. Pogba's doing this and Pogba's doing that. Nemanja Matic was a shambles in that first half. Yeah. <clears throat> but nobody talks about that because he because he does the dirty work and tries hard in in the perception is he works hard and tries hard it's very much about perception isn't it yeah exactly and i think that all this talk about pogba's haircut all this talk about you know social media it's all just guff and it's just it sticks to beat him with and i think pogba's got broad enough shoulders to be able to handle it you know you saw him today i think it takes a special kind of player to deal with the amount of rubbish that he gets thrown at him on a weekly basis especially this week and come out and inspire that kind of performance and score those two goals, neither of which were particularly straightforward. You know, great work, great vision, and great finishing. And the hope is now that that is the Pogba that we see in big games going forward. You know, he's not necessarily what you would suggest that close to being in the prime of his career. I still think he's somewhat of a work in progress, but the core 
tools that he's got to work with, the talent that he's got is off the chart. You know, he is arguably our best player. And I agree, we do need to find a best way of supporting him. Whether that will be with Mourinho, I'm not sure. But today proved that if you set things up right and Pogba's in the mood, good things can happen. So let's hope we see a little bit more of that. Anyway, let's uh, go to some Twitter observations that you guys have sent us along with questions. Kicking off with Tom Reeks, uh, limp and pedestrian first half, second half, complete banter. Miguel Gomez, <laughs> yes, Pogba was good, yes, Smalling was shit, then redeemed himself, but Dave, oh my god, Dave f***ing De Gea. Sadipta Adhikari, uh, we were shit in the first half, and the second just capitalised off three defensive mistakes. Our defence looked better in the second half, though. Shit in the second? Good grief, that was harsh. We were definitely not shit in the second. No, I would disagree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, Adams Eid, we need more of this next season for 90 minutes. We can do this. We just need to throw off the fear. Agree completely yeah. with that. We've said it so many times. We struggle to perform for 90 minutes. It's been a big issue and we need to start doing it more often. Lizanto, uh, straight out of Barca camp, that performance. Love it. Mighty Mike, three words and a f***ing Herrera. <laughs> Actually, let's kick off with questions. Duncan MP, did you see that coming? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry, anybody who says yes to that is, is, is a stinking liar and I, I have no time for them. Yeah, exactly. I can, no, no way I saw that coming. Uh, Paul Haves, did Sir Alex Ferguson secretly take the half-time team talk? Should Mourinho still be binned? Uh, maybe and no. Did you see Fergie's face in the first half at 2-0? Oh, he looked pissed. Uh, I'm sure he didn't take the team talk, but he looked like he wanted to. And there would have been there would have been a lot of very frightened what pale faces would come out if he if he had done that, wouldn't there? Mm, absolutely. Chris McGuffin asks. Chris McGuffin asks. Alexis stepped up massively in the second half. What do you think he did differently? I think the shackles would just let off a little bit. I, I think he just he just he was just given a bit more license to to go to do things in an attacking sense uh, and not worry too much as much about what was behind him. Because he's a guy who, you know, Alexis works really hard. You know, he works. He's even when he's been playing incredibly badly, he he puts in the yards in every game. And I, I sometimes think, you know, that's great, and play, fans love players who really work their nads off. But you've only got finite energy, and you want to be using players who've got particular talent want to be using that ability in in better areas of the pitch. And he's been coming so deep, and I think he just he just was more direct. He was playing in more offensive areas and he was just trying to make things happen and not worrying quite so much about what's happening behind him. Mm. Uh, Tariq Amir asks, in all seriousness, is this a case of Mourinho correcting the setup during the break or Pogba bailing out United? Mixture of both? Um, Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, as you said, I think there was a couple of different elements to it as well. City didn't kill the game off, which definitely helped and didn't get a goal in that second half, which also definitely helped. But United did turn it around in the sense that they came out with a far better attitude in that second half than they had in the first. Press City, who were seemingly thinking, we'll just try and nick a goal on the break, and looked scared when we took the game to them. I think that certainly helped. Pogba having one of his best halves, if not his best half for United, definitely helped, though. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, it was, as you say, it's a combination of things. Mourinho clearly made some changes. I think a few players really took responsibility for stuff. And City clearly, they, they, their insides fell out when we scored the first goal. Um, I think it's just a combination of those things mm. and they just look really tired and lacking in confidence, which is not something we've seen from them all season, really. Yeah, well, I guess it has been quite an unprecedented season for them and just a mad season yeah. in general, considering how many games they bloody won. It's just been easy, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it has been too easy. And I think that's one of the things that you think back to that derby in December. 
just wish we'd made it more difficult for them. I know that's a very <laughs> boys after City uh, in the derby several years ago thing to say, but you really do wish that we tried harder. We, you know, we'd put it up them a little yeah. bit because that is one area where Guardiola teams struggle if you pressurize them, if you are physical with them. And that proved today, once we took the game to them, City yeah. struggled. And that is a blueprint for teams of our level and perhaps our caliber to actually beat them. So here's hoping a couple of more teams are going to be a bit more brave in those sort of circumstances. Anyway, uh, Johnny Brook asks, is there a limit to how excited I can be about Sanchez hitting this level of form for our vital remaining games? Um, No, no, you can be as excited as you want, Johnny. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, he's at his best. He's a world-class player, isn't he? This, this is this is the Sanchez yeah. we thought we were getting, and I know Mourinho said before he doesn't like signing players in January because he he really values having a pre-season with them and you know, really integrating them to the system. And it's clearly taken a while for for that to happen. It's just been unfortunate that it's had to happen during the season when we need to win games rather than rather than in pre-season when when everyone's still learning. But if if we can get his top level performance out of him for the rest rest of the season and onwards after that, then I think we're very lucky indeed. Yeah, I mean, two really big games coming up before the season's over. Uh, Arsenal at home, which is always a, a bit of a contest and should be an interesting one. And then Spurs in the FA Cup semi. So that's the Sanchez that you want to see. That's the United you want to see. So here's hoping those two can continue. Uh, Mars Bailey asks, why doesn't Ander play more? And does his chest assist today make you question Moyes' assertion that Fellaini has the best chest control in the world? <laughs> Herrera's a bit of a... I, I can't work Herrera out in, or certainly this this version of Herrera that we've seen under under Mourinho, because Herrera's either really good or really bad. There's no middle ground. He doesn't have so-so games. Yeah, last season was really good. This season, not well, yeah, so really I, good. I, I'm thinking back. I, I just I, for some reason I remember the two-two draw at Stoke, and we kind of played with three midfielders for the first time, I think, and he was just absolutely hopeless. And there were quite a few games that 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 was the case, and. The first half he was hopeless, and everybody else was hopeless today as well in the first half, but he was hopeless. And then he really stepped it up and took a bit of responsibility in the second half as well. I mean, ultimately, he's one of the holding midfielders. What in the name of God is he doing standing on the penalty spot, chesting down crosses to, to Paul Pogba? You know, you know, I'll always love Herrera just because he's so snide. Oh, he was on fire he was. I mean, today. Look at his face. Drawing those fouls. Gabriel Jesus's yellow card. I laughed yeah, my head off. Best- because it was so clear <laughs> that they were gunning for him. And he just, he pulled it in like a Death Star tractor beam. It was so good. <laughs> he did, and he's got a very angelic face, but he's just the dirtiest son we've got. And, you know, I have to respect him for that, even if it, even if he's not a top-class footballer. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's going in the summer. I think Mourinho's got more than enough use for him going forward. And especially if, you know, Matic can't be expected to play as many games next season. That's probably our best 4-3-3 or the best midfield three that we have at the moment. You know, not nothing to take away from Stott McTominay, but I do think that Herrera gives you those opportunities and the way that you know, the pantomime that he provides, especially in big games like that. The way that he can slow the game down with a bit of play acting. Is it particularly edifying? No, but it's really funny. Uh, the last of the night from Ike Yegoala. This is a wonderful question. Can we say that Mourinho's severe sins are forgiven and so are Smallings in the game? No, 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 no. no. I mean, I think you need several derby victories in a Premier League and maybe a Champions League before we're going to forgive the severe game. It was that bad. Uh, as far as Smalling... Uh, no, not no. quite. No, I think you need no. a backheeled goal 
in front of the cop next season yeah. in order to make that work. But it does take the sting away from some of the disappointments of this season. There's no doubt about it. Obviously, there's a little bit of frustration coupled with the fact that United are clearly capable of this. And we've seen this in flashes this season. And you just wish, as Pogba said, that we'd been doing this more often because we'd be close to City yeah. and we could have been making more of a go of this season. And it's great to be fighting for the FA Cup, but there's a feeling that given the talent and the capability of this team that we know is there, but we don't see it too often, we should be competing for more than we are currently. But having said that, today was wonderful. It was great to see Mourinho take that first half performance and craft something positive out of it that relied on our attacking talents that was a real performance of unity in that second half in particular, in a big game, in an occasion where we frequently find ourselves overawed. And I'm sure Mourinho is going to take a huge amount of self-gratification from basically pissing all over City's parade. Yeah, and I think it changes the, the narrative a huge amount as well, because everybody at half-time, and not unreasonably, because because nobody could have foreseen that coming, because we just don't play like that to that standard, that it was really look at the gap between City and United. Is this really a gap? that they can remotely hope to bridge next season. And if if, if City had stuffed us and then they finished 20, 23, 24 points clear of us, then psychologically for for the fans, for the players, I, I would be looking at that and thinking, Jesus, that's a really big gap to, to bridge in a, in the summer. But we've gone there and beaten them and the gap's just that little bit less and we've got a relatively decent run in the playing Spurs next week. You know, if we could finish within... 10 points of them this season then I think that leaves us in a place where psychologically we could say to, we could say to ourselves and the players could say to themselves if we get the right four players in this summer then we could really have a go at them next season so I, you know I don't think you can look at the game today and, and, and think anything other than it could be in my not people it could be a really really important result for us going forward fingers crossed yeah i mean yeah. there's enough to play for between now and the end of the season that we can end it on a relative high and he's hoping that we do if we perform like we did in that first half it might be a rather damp squib for the next month or so but yeah. if we can perform like we did after the break then who knows what we could see between now and the end of the season you know at least let's try and get close to city as we possibly can and, you know, just put some effort into the FA Cup. You know, that is a great way to end the season. Do we want a bit more? Yeah. But considering where we are, I think we'd all be very, very happy if we could end the season in that fashion. Anyway, Rich, what an absolute goddamn pleasure to be talking to you for a full hour on one of the it most really, ridiculous... It really, really was a pleasure, wasn't it? <laughs> it was great. It's, it's not always a pleasure, but, but today was an absolute pleasure. Wasn't it just? Thank you for your company, my good friend. Guys, thank you so, so much for listening. Don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter and the internet if you so please. And we do hope you please. You can get Rich at at Richard76. You can get me at at you and Lennart. You can get the pod at at Red Voices MUFC. And last but not least, our blog at www.redvoices.net. Have yourselves a super superb derby week wherever you are in the world and you know if you feel like rubbing it that result in any city fans faces that you might be aware of we're not going to stop you take care bye bye